0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: It's a morning bulletin here on the Blood Red channel as we bring you your must-know stories from this morning's reports. I'm Guy Clark and on Wednesday the 30th of September, these are your top stories. Tiago Alcantara tests positive for coronavirus. Under 21 suffer late heartbreak at Tramir in EFL Trophy. Gary Neville makes early title U-turns, Reds storm out the blocks, and we bring you a Rivals Roundup as both Manchester clubs play catch-up, all to come here on the Morning Bulletin from Blood Red. And to get into another morning of busy stories here on the Bulletin, as ever, our Blood Red writer Matt Addison. Matt, a busy day ahead, but how are we?
0: Yeah, very good, thanks. Uh, looking forward to hearing what Pep Blinders has got to say, presumably, in the uh, pre-Arsenal um, press conference and, and plenty of other bits going on today. We've already had a look at, at training photos from yesterday. There's a, a piece on the website now about a, a hint as to who might play tomorrow. I'm sure we'll touch on that shortly. And Yeah, loads of things going on. Obviously, the first story we're going to touch on, Thiago Alcantara testing positive for COVID-19.
1: Yes. And breaking news from last night with Thiago Alcantara, as you you say, of course, he wasn't involved against Arsenal on Monday night and Liverpool were keeping very tight lipped about it at the time. And now we know why. And as you say, there's, there's plenty across the echo on this, basically covering all bases.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing to say is that Thiago is is okay. Uh, it was sort of mild symptoms, I believe, that he was experiencing. Obviously, uh, the players are regularly tested. He came back with a, a positive test um, and that was uh, released. Having uh, spoken to the player, Liverpool released that information last night. Obviously, it's up to each individual whether or not. They come out and, and say whether they have or haven't got it. Uh, as we knew, uh, anyway, obviously, he's going to miss the game on Thursday night. Unlikely, he would have featured anyway in the Carabao Cup. He'll also miss the, the Aston Villa game just before the international break. I mean, we we knew that anyway. It's more just that the reason why that is now is, has become clear. So, yeah, it's uh, not obviously the best news. Uh, He will make a full recovery. He'll be absolutely fine, probably after the international break, after that uh, compulsory, uh, what is it, a 10-day period of of isolation that that the the players need to to undertake, or or indeed anyone, if you get a positive test. So, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate news, unfortunate timing, obviously, just having arrived at at Liverpool, so much sort of excitement around him. Um, But, yeah, there's, there's not a great deal Liverpool can do. Uh, obviously we know that he'll miss a couple of matches liverpool have, have got plenty of other midfielders to to fill the void in the heron i suppose it's it's just one of those things he'll hope that you know that the next couple of weeks the international break goes quickly and he can get on with his his liverpool career
1: yeah certainly goes without saying Of course, as you were saying as well there, Matt, that we wish Thiago a speedy recovery, albeit he's he's sort of not had too many severe symptoms and uh, hope he doesn't get too bored in in self-isolation. You never know, Matt. He might be checking out the Blood Red channel and uh, keeping across what we're doing to keep up to date with what's going on. You never know. Anyway, up next, a quick stop off for us at Prenton Park. Barry Lutz's under-21s were back in action in the EFL trophy last night. Another goal-laden game for them as well, Matt, but Again, not the result they would have wanted.
0: No, it was a similar story. Obviously, they lost 6-1 against Wigan last week. A week later, they've lost 3-2 away at Tranmere, obviously playing against two senior teams there. And again, it it was that experience really that, that told in the end Similar to, to Wigan last week, as I say, they sort of in that game first half, it was fairly even against Wigan. They were a goal up, they managed to, to get themselves in front, ended up losing 6-1 with six goals in the second half. Not quite as, as heavy a defeat, obviously 3-2, uh, just a, a goal in it, a late goal as well for Tranmere. Liverpool, again, went ahead, a fantastic free kick from Jake Kane, put them a goal in front couple of potentially dodgy offside decisions saw so Tranmere turn the game around. Liverpool then got themselves back level again but conceded a late goal. So, yeah, it was uh, one of those games really where it was just a, a case of, of a senior team getting the, the better, really, of, of their junior opponents. And it was a, an unfortunate defeat. It, it does mean that Liverpool are not going to progress in that tournament. But, again, it, it it's probably one of those experiences where it wasn't really about the winning. It was about... You know what these players will learn from this and i think barry lutus certainly would have learned a lot about his players i think that the quality was very much there not just the, the free kick from jake kane but you know plenty of other things ben woodburn just looked at a step above everybody else really again underlining that need for him to to go out and, and play regular senior football next season but yeah, there was uh, plenty of, of positives to take, but unfortunately um, another defeat for for the under-21s team. Barry Lutus, you know, unfortunate in that regard that he's lost both of his first two. I think Port Vale is the other team in the group to play, but that isn't until, I think, November. So a, a fair bit of time to wait after two quick games in, in quick succession uh, for them. It's uh, a couple of... Well, a few more weeks uh, to wait until the next one but uh, yeah just in, in terms of what Tuesday means for the team um, on uh, Thursday uh, obviously we, uh, we knew that, that anybody who played last night wouldn't be featuring on Thursday night and, and Seth Vandenberg was was playing yesterday so it looks like it could be Reese Williams and Billy Cametio or, or potentially you know maybe a Van Dijk or, or Fabinho or Joe Gomez but yeah certainly Seth Vandenberg won't be playing on Thursday for the senior team against Arsenal, so that's the the first sort of hint that we had. As I said before, there's a, a few more photographs and, and that sort of thing, which uh, I've got a piece on the Echo website that's gone up this morning explaining the latest on who uh, was training for the seniors on Tuesday. So yeah, it, it's going to be a very different team um, to the uh, the team that that played Arsenal on Monday night on Thursday, but I think we we very much knew that going into it.
1: Yeah, head across to the Echo to check out Matt's piece then. The hints as to who could face Arsenal on Thursday in the Carabao Cup. Incidentally, Jake Kane and Louis Longstaff with the goals against Tranmere for the under-21s. Frustrating stuff then for the youngsters, but if you want more on Academy matters, Matt and I incidentally did record the latest Academy show, which went out on Sunday. So plenty more on the Blood Red feed. Still to come, we'll bring you a rival roundup as two of the Reds' closest title rivals look to do business in the final week of the transfer window. And there's an early title U-turn from one of Sky's top pundits. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We'll get into the transfers shortly, but Gary Neville, Matt, as a player, we all loved to hate him. I think most of us probably do still hold on to that emotion in some respect, but he does talk a fair bit of sense from time to time as a, as a pundit. But having seen Liverpool start to the season, it looks like he's rethinking his prediction as to who might win the Premier League this season and uh, wants to uh, change his mind. Is that allowed?
0: yeah i think it is it's allowed until the transfer window's closed and and that's effectively you know what his decision is based on it seems obviously manchester city have made a couple of signings liverpool have as well i think there's no doubt who's had the better transfer window up until this point uh, that obviously being liverpool with tiago and and jota being two huge signings and, and shimikas as well who i think we'll see uh, tomorrow night potentially as well um you know these sort of signings have made the difference really in terms of his prediction i'm not quite sure Why Neville, well, I am sure why he was desperate for Liverpool not to be favourites, but I'm not sure why he didn't pick them as favourites at at the start of the season. Obviously, Liverpool having won the the title by so many points last season, it was uh, pretty clear really to me that it would take something special from Manchester City or or one of the other teams to have... uh, to of course up that gap. But, uh, yeah, Gary Neville, it seems, has, has forced himself into a, a U-turn. Obviously, Liverpool's transfers making the difference there and, and Pep Guardiola perhaps not quite so convinced by his own uh, summer transfer window and, and that sort of thing. It remains to be seen whether City's transfers now are done or, or whether they might bring in one or two more. But, uh, yeah, it, it seems like Gary Neville seems that uh, seems to suggest that Liverpool now are, are favourites. We think is is absolutely fair. The the early season form from Liverpool has has been very very good. They've obviously played Chelsea, they've played Arsenal and, and won both of those matches. Manchester City, uh, completely the opposite, uh, didn't look in control at all against Leicester. And obviously on the end of a, a heavy defeat, three different players giving away penalties over the weekend. They've just looked, you know, a very shaky defensive outfit, and and that's something that we've sort of not come to, to see from Liverpool now for, for such a long time it was uh, a slight surprise given uh, the sort of level of players someone like Benjamin Mendy for example you wouldn't imagine him giving away a penalty quite so quite so stupidly to be honest in, in the way that he fouled James Madison but uh, yeah it seems like a few pundits not just Gary Neville have been forced into to u U-turns on the Premier League title race and I think rightly so I think Liverpool you know, by far and away the best team in the country at this moment in time. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's still going to be the case a few months down the line. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to run away with the title. I don't think they're going to win this league by as many points as what they did last season. I think Manchester City will, you know, still be okay. They'll still be there or thereabouts. I think that the fixture scheduling means that there'll be some random results and, and Liverpool probably will lose one or two games uh, that you wouldn't have expected them to going into it. But yeah, I think uh, Liverpool's squad depth, the way that they've started, their focus, the determination, the fact that they won it by so many points last season as well. I don't think there's any doubt really for me that, that Liverpool have to be um huge favourites for, for the title this season. And yeah, it would be a surprise, certainly speaking today. Obviously things can change very quickly, but it would be a surprise speaking today if they weren't champions come may or you know, depending on what happens with Potential new outbreak of of COVID-19, depending on what happens with the season, whenever the season is concluded and, and that sort of thing, it would be a surprise if Liverpool weren't champions.
1: Yeah, it seems to be what Liverpool do as well, isn't it? They lull people into a, a sort of false sense of insecurity, whether it be lack of transfers or pre-season outings, and then when it all really matters, come up with a, a huge play and certainly did that, obviously, with the signings of Jota and Thiago Alcantara, which Gary Neville references being a huge part in maybe his decision to change his mind. Finally, then, to round off this edition of the Bulletin, let's have a rivals roundup as we head into the final week of the transfer window. Liverpool seem to to be done and dusted, all sorted and happy with their activity, bar perhaps some outgoings that may yet still happen. Yet Manchester United are frantically shopping, Matt, whilst Man City have looked to start a defensive rebuild in the final week of the window.
0: Yeah, it's a, a strange one, isn't it? It's uh, it's Ruben Diaz, £65 million for the 23-year-old centre-back. I'm sure you know, he's an, an excellent player, very highly rated, but it does seem like a, a huge amount of money to spend on somebody this late in the window. It suggests, of course, as well, he wasn't their first choice, which I think is is fairly obvious. Caladu, Kulabali from Napoli, seemingly the one that Pep Guardiola wanted. Manchester City just weren't prepared to pay the money that Napoli would have demanded for him. And I don't know whether you saw this guy, but on the. Uh, the the Manchester City website last night, as they announced Ruben Diaz, they'd not changed one of the the links to a different story that said something along the lines of, you know, Manchester City fans, what are your thoughts on us signing Koulibaly? So I think somebody hadn't quite updated the webpage before they moved on to their second or potentially third choice centre-back target this summer. So it's uh, it's one of those, really. It's obviously a decent signing. It's another signing. I think it takes Pep Guardiola spending on uh, defenders up to more than four hundred million since he's been at, at Manchester City, and City always seem to to come back and, and point uh, at Liverpool and say, "Oh well, Liverpool spent seventy five million pounds on Virgil Van Dijk." Well, unfortunately for them, it's it's better to spend seventy five million rather than you know 50, 60 million on six seven eight players. You know, consecutive summers they've spent huge amounts of money, and I think probably only Americ Laporte has has been value for that money. So. Look, Ruben Diaz could well be uh, a game-changing signing. He could well be somebody that, that they needed to, to bring in and, and absolutely wanted to, to have in this team and, and potentially that could be a bargain in future years. But yeah, on the evidence of, of their previous transfers, you would suggest that, that possibly that won't be the case and it, it isn't just a, a case of bringing somebody in and, and suddenly that whole tran- uh, the whole defence is transformed with one player. So it's going to be interesting to, to see what happens. Obviously, still a, a very young player, as I, as I say, very highly rated. Um, but whether he can adjust immediately to the Premier League and sort of make the, the difference that they need him to really to get themselves uh, back on a level playing field with Liverpool definitely remains to be seen.
1: Yeah, and just a quick one on Manchester United. They finally looked to have stumped up and put some money on the table for Jadon Sancho, but it doesn't look like it's going to have been in time. Dortmund's saying that that deadline that they'd set for, I think it was the 15th of August, wasn't it, that they wanted the deal done by? They've not met that, and looks like they might have to look to a different target now.
0: Yeah, I think it was Sky in Germany, wasn't it, reporting that uh, Borussia Dortmund had received a new bid and, and turned that down. Um, reports in England suggesting that isn't the case. it seems like Manchester United are denying that uh, Obviously Jaden Sancho is a player we've spoken about plenty of times I don't understand really uh, why they don't just pay that money if if Manchester United have got that money I think you know, what is it 110 million or something like that. I that would be an absolute bargain. But uh, obviously we know that the impacts of, of COVID-19 and things like that. But you'd imagine Manchester United potentially might have the, the money available for them to do something. But uh, yeah, the, the latest report suggesting that they may well move on from uh, Jaden Sancho and, and go for Ousmane Dembele. Obviously a player that seems to be linked with Liverpool every other week, uh, potentially... Um, or reportedly uh, not wanted by Barcelona anymore, he's had a difficult time there, hasn't he? Since he, he made that move, for, what was it, a hundred or so million pounds from Borussia Dortmund? It seems like they're prepared to to let him go, and obviously he's been linked with a loan deal. Uh, some spe- uh, speculation and, and reports suggesting that Liverpool had tried to get him on loan. Uh, Barça didn't want to, to loan him out, but they're prepared to let him go for about fifty-five million pounds. So it seems. Potentially uh, that Manchester United could move on from Sancho and, and try and go for him instead. But again, it, it's one of those players where he's very good. His injury record isn't particularly brilliant. Uh, he's obviously not worked out at, at Barcelona. He is still you know, a young player. He's still one of those that could come good, could well make a huge difference. But again, it, it, is it really a game-changing signing? I think Jaden Sancho would be. I'm not convinced really that, that Dembele would be for, for Manchester United. So... Yeah, it would cost them probably about half as much as, as what Sancho would, but I don't think uh, Liverpool would be looking over their shoulder too much if if United were to 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 sort of spend that kind of money on Mbele. I think it would take, you know, potentially one or two players. I think they've still got a couple of, of glaring weaknesses really, Manchester United. And you look at, at their team, it really isn't in forward areas where they need to strengthen. You think of all the, the good players they've got, Rashford, Greenwood. Martial, players like that, and you know, further back, you've still got Pogba, who can potentially be world class on his day. Not that that happens too often. Bruno Fernandes, Donny Van de Beek. You start to wonder where they fit all of these players in, in an attacking sense. When really, you know, it's defensively that they need to improve. So, yeah, Osman Dembele, uh, I don't think is a, a realistic or, or a viable option for, for Liverpool, despite ongoing speculation but certainly it seems like it could be the case for for Manchester United and yeah it would be a, a decent signing but uh, nothing for Liverpool to be scared about i don't think
1: no, won't be a final. It won't be a quiet final week to the window, though. And while some of us might like the drama of deadline day and seeing Liverpool being active, it seems to just really, to me, highlight how well-run Liverpool are under Michael Edwards. In that regard, that in the space of one Friday afternoon, everything sort of seemed to be taken care of, whilst the rest still panic around the uh, supermarket before it shuts. That's all from us now, though. Here on the morning bulletin, keep an eye out across the Liverpool Echo website throughout the course of the day. In in particular, of course, the Daily Transfer blog, which will round up the top stories in one place for you. The link to our twice daily newsletter is also in the description for the podcast. All it takes is your email address in exchange for our top Liverpool stories to find their way directly to your inbox. Also, keep across Blood Red's podcast platforms wherever it is you get your audio on demand, as well as our dedicated Blood Red YouTube channel. The weekly liverpool.com podcast will be with you this afternoon. But from Matt Addison and Guy Clark, thanks for joining us here for the Morning Bulletin. It's all for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.